Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. This week, I bring you my conversation with author, blogger, podcast host, Anne Vogel. Anne is the author of Reading People and I'd Rather Be Reading, creator of the blog Modern Mrs. Darcy and the podcasts What Should I Read Next and One Great Book. She has been featured in O oh, the Oprah Magazine, Real Simple, Bustle, Refinery29, The Washington Post, and more. Her popular book lists and reading guides have established her as a tastemaker among readers, authors, and publishers. Today, we'll discuss her latest book, Don't Overthink It, in which Anne addresses how overthinking really has begun to overtake people's lives and how we can take actionable steps to make easier, more confident decisions. As always, before we get to the interview, I wanted to encourage you to pause and head over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. One of the best ways to show support for this podcast is to do that as it really helps the show develop a wider audience, enabling me to bring you quality content and creators. And now for my interview with Anne. Anne, thank you so much for joining me on the Minimalist Moms podcast today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to hear what you have to say about your new book. And I have been an avid listener of your podcast, What Should I Read Next, for several years now. Um, But today we will be focusing on the mind and overthinking. But before we get into that, will you just give listeners a brief introduction to who you are and what it is that you do? Sure. So if you're familiar with my work and me. It's probably from my blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy, which my favorite description comes from my friend Tish. She calls it a lifestyle blog for nerds. So I'm just going to use those words forever. Or my podcast, What Should I Read Next? Where we do literary matchmaking and all the book talk. So one of the first questions that I have for you is something that I ask all my guests, or at least guests that I've had on recently. And that is, are you a minimalist or do you consider yourself a minimalist? And I'm kind of curious to see how you'd answer this because I don't think that I have a guess. I do and I don't. I feel like the true minimalists would not let me into their camp, but I am deeply committed to saving time, money, effort, energy on the things that don't really matter to me. Mm -hmm. So I can put it all in the areas of my life that do really matter to me. I think that's a really great answer. I truthfully believe that minimalism looks different for everyone. And I know they say that regularly, but it does have to do with paring down your things, but it also has to do with so much more than that. And it really does have to do with our emotional and mental responses to our daily lives. So you'd totally be invited into the minimalist club, I think. (laughs) So your latest book, Don't Overthink It, really tackles the problem of overthinking and how it can be debilitating to our everyday decision-making. So what kind of led you to write this one? Because I'd say it's slightly at a departure from your literary matchmaking that you do on Modern Mrs. Darcy. All my books have been a little different so far. It's true. Um, Longtime blog readers will find the content familiar from all the non-book kind of posts I've done on Modern Mrs. Darcy since 2011. Although I think like exactly one post story made its way into the book. It's not that kind of book. Um, This, when, when I get together with my friends, when I like lay awake in bed at night, this is what we talk about. This is what we think about. And I think, um, A friend of mine planted the seeds of this book years ago when she made an offhand comment that said, like, I can't stop overthinking, but like, this is just what women do. It's who we are. Like, what are we going to do about it? And I I thought about that for years. Like, what are we going to do about it? Because I think so many of us assume because it's so prevalent in our lives and in the lives of the people around us that we see and that we know and interact with every day. Um, 
it's common. And I think we often tend to think it's just the way it is. But I, I thought, surely that can't be the case. Like we can't be stuck. And while it's true, some of us are always going to be more inclined to overthink than others. There are definitely steps we can take, strategies we can implement, um, practices we can develop to become the kind of people who overthink less. And I just thought the more I started thinking about, you know, what what you're doing with your minutes and hours, like that is what you're doing with your life. And overthinking comes at such a great opportunity cost. I mean, there are a million things I'd rather be doing than rehashing. Like if my kid who's six minutes late getting home is in a ditch. Um, so I wanted to explore that better way to live. It's funny that you say that you talk about this thing with your girlfriends because I don't necessarily think that our husbands are sitting around having the same discussion. So would you say that through your research, you've seen that there is more of a tendency for women to think this way? I definitely think that it's not a problem that is gender specific, but it had, I am persuaded by the studies that show that whether it's biology or socialization, women do report overthinking as being a struggle more than men do in the United States. Okay, so just at a very basic level, how do we pursue a healthier thought life? How can we take the first steps to begin to address this? That's a great question. I think the first step is to take a look at your own life. And of course, in the book, I talk about things to pay attention to, um, to, to identify areas where you're overthinking. Like one of my friends who had never read this book before, this isn't an issue we talked about. She lives out of state when we talk about I think deeper life issues when we connect usually, but I asked her to, she's an English teacher and I asked her to read um, the first draft of Don't Overthink It to, to see how it was. That's part of the process. And she said, you know, I didn't identify with being an overthinker. I said, sure, I'll read your book because I'm your friend and I'm interested, but I don't feel like I need this. But I talk in the book about the tie between perfectionism and overthinking. And she said, I read your book and then I went to Target and went, oh my gosh, did I think I'm not an overthinker? Like, I just didn't realize what it could look like in my actual life. And that's just one example of, I think our behaviors seem normal to us and we just assume everybody acts that way. But when it's pointed out to you, hey, like, what keep keep an eye out for these things in your life. Do you do this? Do you do that? Does it make you happy? When you know what to look for, you're able to notice things uh, because you can't change anything if you're not aware that you're doing it. And I would say for you personally, what is an example in your life of how you began to address overthinking and what did it look like when it was played out? That's a great question. I have to say something that I discovered in the process of writing this book. First of all, I do feel like my unfair advantage in life now is that I spent a couple of years researching all the ways to not overthink because it's so it's so valuable to internalize all that information. Um, I overthought so much more than I realized, and yet there's also so much more I can do about it than I realized as well. Um, a big eye-opener for me was realizing that I overthink decisions all the time, or I would say this is much less true now, but previously I would think and think and think and think about decisions and when I didn't know what to do. And I finally realized in the course of writing this book that oftentimes I would overthink questions that I didn't like the right answers to. And I know this might sound silly and defeatist, but it is not. It has been so empowering to realize that 
I cannot like the answer, whatever the answer is to whatever decision I'm facing in front of me, but it can still be the right answer. And just being able to make decisions quicker and more efficiently because I don't have to like it for it to be the right thing. I don't, I have four kids. So I'm just going to give an example from practical everyday life. Mm -hmm. When we're figuring out how to get four kids, the four places they need to be all at the same time on a Tuesday night, I don't have to like it to make a plan that actually works about as well as a plan is going to work and realizing that I don't have to like it for it to work really quite well, considering has freed me from all the mental gymnastics I used to do to try to arrive at a solution that made me happy. But really carpool plans are never going to fill my heart with joy. And just realizing that has been so freeing and I've spent so much less time like banging my head against the wall, trying to uh, devise these magical solutions that just don't exist. And it frees up my creative brain, like to put that brain power someplace where it could really, really be used in more creative, satisfying ways. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know for me personally, when I lay down at night, that's when my brain tends to go into overdrive. And I'd say I'm pretty decent at grabbing hold of those thoughts throughout my day, but there is just something about bedtime that really exacerbates any of my worries or anxieties are just my overthought. So do you have any suggestions to how we would combat this? Like how can I put my mind at ease during this time of day? Yes, absolutely. Well, there's two different approaches here. Um, The first is I was really surprised at how much the research bears out that the way you think becomes training for the way you think. Like whatever thought processes you're currently running in your brain, um, you are etching grooves deeper and deeper in your neural pathways. Um, If you are a person who overthinks, then you make it with every instance of overthinking, you make it that much easier to overthink. And I know that can sound really depressing, but the research is very clear that we can form new mental pathways. So at night when we're tired is prime overthinking time because when the body or mind are fatigued, it's so much easier to lapse into overthinking uh, because it takes mental energy to combat it. But during the day when you develop practices and mental habits that combat overthinking, it does get easier over time. You really can be become a person who overthinks less, like as a matter of being, like as part of your identity. Something I talk about a lot in the book is the power of ritual to overcome overthinking. I really loved what I found about how um, routine can streamline our habits and conserve mental energy, but ritual, which looks so similar, but is subtly and importantly different, um, can really act as a reset button. Um, It can, if you establish rituals throughout the day, you can establish these like safe anchor points to pause and take a deep breath. And if you've gone down the overthinking road, you can pull yourself back and start fresh. And that can be so important. Uh, But bedtime rituals are very helpful for those who tend to overthink at night. Um, Following the same pattern consistently can teach your brain, like, I have peaceful time coming, not time for like the hamster wheel of your thoughts to like get into high gear. There are popular things that are 
aren't magic bullets, but work for a lot of people. And those are routines of getting ready for the next day in a practical way, not a, oh my gosh, where are my kids going to be? Are they going to be safe tomorrow? But practical thing, like set out the water for tea, set out the candle you're going to light in the morning, do your stretches, wash your face with something that smells really good. Um, reading fiction is very popular before bed because it lets you go to sleep thinking of fictional characters' problems and not your own. Mm-hmm. Or writing in a gratitude journal, something that has you reflecting on things you're thankful for, things that went well and not all the things that could possibly go wrong in the future or that did in the past. Mental health has obviously become much more of a topic of conversation and something we're much more aware of and comfortable talking about these days. However, there can be a lot of stress with trying to find the right healthcare provider. That's where BetterHelp Online Counseling comes into play. With BetterHelp, they make the process so much more easy and streamlined. You can talk to a healthcare professional from the comfort of your own home through your mobile device or your computer. And BetterHelp will align you with someone based off of your needs. So that could be depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, grief, trauma, sleeping, really anything that you would like to talk to someone about. But I've personally been able to check it out myself and I've really seen just the ease in which you can receive the care you're looking for. I just had to go on there, fill out a survey of what I was looking for and it set me up with my own personal counselor so I just found it very convenient. Also if you don't like that person you can always switch. They make it very painless and easy for you and it's quite fantastic. So if you've really struggled with trying to find the right therapist or someone to talk to in regards to mental health I'd say this is something I really recommend. Best of all it's a truly affordable option and Minimalist Mom listeners get 10% off your first month with discount code MINIMALIST. So why not get started today, go to betterhelp.com slash minimalist. Simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor that you'll really love. That's betterhelp.com slash minimalist. And now back to my conversation with Anne. So here on the Minimalist Moms podcast, I'm all about easy tips to live more intentionally. So what is just something very basic that we can implement towards combating overthinking in our lives? I would say start a new routine. Or a new um, like pre-made decision, lay out your clothes a week in advance, decide on a uniform, um, decide you're going to eat the same thing for breakfast every day this week. And I know those things can sound really boring, but if you look at it, like what can I decide today to, to streamline, to make one decision that pays off for multiple days, weeks, or months, because we only have a limited supply of mental energy. And when it's gone, it is very difficult to... Uh, I wanted to say when it's gone, it's gone, which sounds a little dramatic, but um, that's actually not untrue. So anything that's not as important to you, if you can streamline that or put it on autopilot, you have more energy left to deal with the things that really matter to you. That's great advice. Is there anything else you'd like to say as just a word of encouragement to listeners to begin to overcome their overthinking? For so many people, overthinking is either something that is unhealthy and unhelpful um, or is actively harmful. And what we tend to do, I, I think this is especially true for women, is we think ourselves out of happinesses, both big and small, but especially especially those small things. And what I found is that we can learn to get out of our own way, to think ourselves into happiness, to be kinder to ourselves, um, to adopt new baseline habits that don't take a lot of time, don't take a lot of energy, but can bring us a lot more peace and a lot more joy. Great. Well, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you on social media or find a copy of your new book? 
My hub online is my blog, modernmrsdarcy.com. It has links to everything, including the podcast, What Should I Read Next? And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ann Bogle. It's Ann with an E, B as in books, O-G-E-L. Well, I'll be sure to put all that in the show notes, but as we wrap up here, I'll go ahead and ask you the first question that I ask every guest. What is something you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? <laughs> I love it. Um, Recently, we have been really struggling with dinner. It has been a massive creative endeavor for my husband and I to decide every, every night or every morning, like, what are we going to eat today? So we had everybody come up with a list of simple recipes that we love. We wrote them on our chalkboard in the kitchen, and we're just working through the list. We know what to thaw. We know what we're cooking. Whoever's around can get started. It is such a mental relief. Dinner is not always hard, but I think these days we are using up all our mental energy. And by the end of the day, we are done. Mm -hmm. We don't have, we don't have anything left to think about dinner, but we have to eat or we won't have any energy. So it's really helping. That's funny. A lot of guests have said the same as of recently. When we know what we have and know what we need from the grocery store, it makes it a heck of a lot easier. All right. And then my next question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Oh, uh, recently it seems like, you know, it's cold, it's winter. We all want to be cozy. And recently in my life, I've discovered that I know so many people who share my love of jigsaw puzzles. So we've been comparing notes. I've been putting them on Instagram. Um, I've now friends are texting me photos of the puzzles that they've done over the snowy weekend. And it's so nerdy and it brings me such great joy all at the same time. Yeah, it really is a fun thing to do. My husband and I will sit down and do one together, and I think it's a really great way to just connect with one another. And I feel like your eyes are focused on something else, but you can have some really deep conversations while working on one. Yeah, I find that it uh, your brain can work through problems like in the back of your mind while you're solving this puzzle right in front of you. It's totally different kind of mental brain power. I agree. Well, Anne, thank you so much for coming on the Minimalist Moms podcast today. I hope that readers check out your new book that is going to be released on March 3rd, and I'll be sure to include where they can find a copy in the show notes for today. So thank you again for coming on here. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Diane. It's been a pleasure. What did you think of my conversation with Anne? Are you someone that tends to overthink? Can you relate to my overthinking at night? And if you are someone that tends to overthink, how could you implement some of Anne's strategies in your own life? I'd like to know. Join me back here next week as I bring you my interview with the host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, Sarah Dean. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Facebook page, Instagram account, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do with less.